Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copybusta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast. This is the show, and I'm Jeff, the host of it. I had a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Dr. Pepper earlier today, and because I am currently unemployed and therefore am not drinking caffeine on a daily basis, gosh, it just went... That that good stuff went straight to my head. Drinking that brown fizzy drink that may, what makes you be up. And I uh, realized I was getting kind of rambly on the episode we had just recorded, and uh, that is probably why, because I am caffeinated. It's go. It's the go juice. It's the podcast go juice. Um, if you, I don't. Uh, did we? Oh yeah, we talked about this on the air. Uh, if you listen to Seeing Reddit, an episode that just came out, we talk about how there are only two categories of drug. Uh, because there are only two human emotions, go and stop. And if your brain produces too much stop, the doctor will prescribe you medicine that gives you a little bit of go. And if your brain produces too much go, the doctor will prescribe you medicine that gives you a little bit of stop. And uh, my brain alternates between producing too much stop and too much go, and I think right now it's producing, like, in weird cycles of stop and go, and as soon as, like, today I'm just throwing caffeine into that go machine and it's making me have double go, uh, boy, I was about to be like, is this making sense? But the people who can respond are my guests and not my audience, and I don't want to know (laughs) if they think it makes sense, because what probably they will say is, uh, sure it does, because it actually doesn't, but... (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is a show where we talk about creepypastas. What I like to do is take every story that's suggested by fans or brought to me by guests and just do all of them. So I have a big spreadsheet with uh, suggested stories, and you can see that spreadsheet in the show notes on weaponizedlanguage.com for every episode as the, uh, if you want to keep up for future episodes, section at the bottom of each post. There's like 50 links in there, just two stories. I haven't read most of them. I should say I don't think I've read any of them until someone chooses them, and um, then I will read it in preparation for the recording. So that's just everything that's been suggested to me that I've caught and remembered to put in that file. Uh, If you suggested something and I forgot, just ping me and remind me. I'm not doing it to slight you or to be like, I didn't like that suggestion. I just forgot to put it in the file. Uh, I I go through, like, my Twitter DMs and uh, I have a, a... bookmark folder labeled Creepypodsta with just, like, a bunch of links in it. Uh, Actually, some of those I probably have to add to the list, so. Uh, And then there's the thread in the Facebook group, which I forgot to plug last episode, Creepypodsta Fan Creep. You can go join that on Facebook. I think we're close to, like, 120 members or something. That's a good time. You can talk to past guests. 
like these guests, please welcome back to the show Mike Cole. Hey there. And Shane Kellen. Hiya, creeps. And this week, Shane has brought a story for us called It's Not Just the Dark from the No Sleep subreddit submitted four years ago by a Xander Bluff. Shane, please tell us about this story. Okay, so this story was kind of interesting because it's both a story and a thought experiment. <clears throat> so anyway, the I listened to this on uh, YouTube. So the narrator starts with apologizing to you, the listener. He specifically says you, the listener. And he's just, he keeps talking about how sleep deprived he is and how he just needs to tell the story so he can go to bed and not feel threatened. <laughs> and again, this whole thing just reads as a thought experiment. And he says, like, I've been thinking about monsters and monster stories. And he's just wants to tell you about all these traits and tropes he's come up with. Um, mainly just monsters need darkness. And he has this whole, whole rant about darkness versus the light and how the monsters will always get you in the darkness or you always feel safe when the sun's out. But the second that the sun goes down is when like Slender Man strikes or when the Wendigo gets you. And he's just going on and on about this. And then he starts getting into which I think is really interesting, knowledge of the creature is makes you more noticed by the creature. Like, definitely it's an old Slenderman thing, too. The more you know about good old Slendy, the more Slendy wants to get you. And he gets more into that kind of idea. Yeah, it's it's very similar to... Uh, I don't even want to say fan theory. It's like barely subtext. But in Paranormal Activity, especially the first one, but also the later ones, it's like if they just turned off the cameras, the demon would probably stop bothering them. Because there are times when things happen that only happen for the at-home audience viewing uh, in their living room around a television surrounded by a bunch of terrified friends late one October evening that the characters in the movie don't notice. So it's like, yeah, there's, it's it's interesting to see someone writing a story and be like, explicitly saying like monsters only want attention because that is the subtext of a lot of stories monsters are divas and they just want attention (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly they just want to scare you and then kill you when you're sufficiently frightened he even has the line where he's saying like you don't read the ritual and halfway through the monster kills you no you got to finish that ritual got to go through all those steps for the monster to even think about stabbing you with its claws and I think that's really interesting that you have this... He's basically just describing monster traits. They feed off fear. And he does this in this, like, interesting way of thinking it as, like, adaptations. Like, these monsters evolved these traits to survive. Like... <clears throat> yeah, as if they're natural creatures. Um uh, the narrator later gets into stuff about, like, 
uh, how to phrase it, it's like these predators are too adapted, like they've gone beyond evolution, that predators aren't supposed to be as good as monsters are, because then they'll eat all of the prey. Yeah, he starts getting to, like, uh, um, how um, herd mentality, like how, like, monsters don't want to call the entire herd of their victims. Because uh, then he starts getting into, like, what if a monster lived in light? And he starts going on to a thought experiment of what a monster that hunts in the daytime would be like. And let's see, what else my notes saying? And then <clears throat> basically gets into this, like, whole light monster. And then the story says, like, the, the, the twist happens where he starts saying why he's telling you this thought experiment. Like, he wants you to listen to his idea because he's been thinking so much about a monster that hunts in the daylight that he starts seeing these creatures and he doesn't want to be the only uh, person that knows about this monster because then he'll die like without without uh, any hope the monster's going to get him and he thinks that by spreading the monster story to as many people as possible he's making like a herd of moths where the people who know the story are the moths and the monster is the owl that eats the moths. And he has a higher chance of survival the more moths there are. Yeah, so he's making other people aware of this idea of a monster that gets you when you're blinded by a reflection from a, a car. Or, like, uh, looking into the sun momentarily. Um... Yeah, this one is, it's so, it's not a traditional narrative. The narrative sort of happens in you, um, so it's hard to summarize. Uh, anything else to say? Um, I think that's, like, basically the gist of how the story goes. Um, what really got, when I first listened to the story, uh, years back, um, I was listening to it late at night after listening to a bunch of other <laughs> creepy pastas. And this scared the crap out of me. Because the entire time at the beginning, he's like, I know you just listened to a bunch of other horror stories, but just, just listen to this. Just just stay here. You gotta listen to this. And he's saying all these things like, you're probably sitting in the dark, and you only have the light of your computer. And I fit that completely. Like, I only was, I was in my room. It was dark. I had only the light of my computer screen. So I'm like, I'm, I'm hooked on this. This is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, it, um, oh, there is one weird thing. I don't think this was originally a no-sleep story, because it mentions, uh, reading stories on this wikia, um, and that makes me think that this story was originally posted on the Creepypasta wikia, which I think is creepypasta.wikia.com, um, but, uh, I mean, it could have been written for there and posted here first. The fact that it's four years ago makes me think that, though, it was like copied from there uh, over to here, maybe by the original author, but I know No Sleep used to have a lot more crossover with sites like uh, the Creepypasta Wiki. It's an actual Creepypasta. <laughs> yeah. It's from the official site of them. Um, Mike, how did this story hit you when you first read it? So... The entire time I was reading it, and he's talking about uh, the the moment he started talking about the prey and the potential for you to be like cattle. Uh, 
Yeah. I instantly thought, uh, oh, this is just uh, the angels from Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, a little bit. So that, like, I love Doctor Who. I watch it a lot. And it just reminded me of, like, oh, these predators who are super good at what they do and they're super good at, like, you know, killing and hurting people. Um, that That's this entire story here. Um, I The thing that hit me was the fact that he kept, like, oh, I'm just rambling, I'm rambling. Uh, and eventually he said, you know, I you might have an idea of where I'm going with this. And every time he turned to the audience to say that, I kept going, yes, I do. I really do, in fact. So basically, what I liked about this was he had the turning point where he's just basically telling you that he's telling you this story so that this light monster will kill you instead of killing him. And hopefully you'll do what yeah. he's doing so the herd gets bigger. Yeah, it's it's it, it's interesting to me the way it... Um, sort of outlines the idea of I think Mike you were right it was really obvious what where it was going it was so obvious that the fact that the narrator was saying uh maybe you figured out where I'm going made me think did I like was it supposed to be secret maybe I didn't figure it out because I didn't realize that you were at all trying to be deceptive about what you were doing here uh, the one thing uh that I don't think Shane mentioned at the very and uh, the line is like, oh, and if you get the chance, let me know what color it is. And it's like, oh, okay, I definitely know what you were trying to go for now. Yeah, that was a weird one. Um, well, what? how did you read that? What did you think he is trying to go for then? Well, so, uh, like, that, it just confirmed my suspicions of, like, yeah, you wanted me to start thinking of the monster so that the monster would come get me and right. not you. Yeah, because he was uh, earlier in the story. He was talking about like camouflage and how it's easier to like camouflage in the night because uh, you know darker colors and you can't really, you know, it's all more muted. And so whenever he's like, "I wonder what color a monster would be," and then near the very end, he's like, or at the end, he's like, "Let me know what color it is." By the way, yeah, and it's like, okay, I know what you're. Like, it just made sure that I knew that I was on the right track. And so it's definitely, uh, that was kind of like a a moment for me of like, yep, everything I was thinking up until this point is definitely, definitely what this is. And I hate you for it now. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one because it's trying to make the daytime scary. But um, I, while I think that the writing for the most part is solid it's i don't have any major like it could be a little tighter but i don't have any major problems with how it was written and the idea of thinking about what a monster in the daytime would be like cool um i just don't buy it the way the narrator presents this day monster is oh if you're uh blinded by the sun briefly that's when the monster gets you like come on yeah really that's not no that's not you're just it's just weird to 
it's still thinking about a monster as if it's like a werewolf waiting for you to not notice it and then it will eat you. And that was so much less less interesting to me than like a monster that would want to hide in broad daylight wouldn't look like a monster. It would disguise itself as a person. Yeah. Like that's just that's what it like that <laughs> we have daytime monsters. They're it's called like serial invasion killers. of in, Yeah. <laughs> Serial killers, invasion of the body snatchers, like that that sort of thing. Like those the daytime monsters look like people. They don't look like tan slendermans like this narrator proposes. Yeah, I wanna say like when I first heard this story years ago, I thought it was terrifying. Re-listening to it, I was like, You're basically describing a stick bug monster. That's not that scary. <laughs> yeah. What I think really got me initially was if you think back like four years ago, Slender Man was still kind of a new thing. So the idea of, you know, the more you learn about Slender Man, the more Slender Man learns about you, the more he wants to kill you, was kind of a fresh idea and really terrifying. <laughs> and that's what initially scared yeah. me about Slender Man when he wasn't a meme. <laughs> and I think that's what was scary in the story initially but now it's kind of played out like every creepypasta monster does that almost yeah all of the like we just had in 2017 i guess about a year ago uh the bye bye man came out and it was laughably out of date because the whole point of the eponymous monster in the bye bye man is um if you think his name then he'll come and get you. Like, come on. Yeah, no, like, that's, that was a His name... cool idea years ago. Now it's oversaturated. <laughs> yeah, and if you're gonna do that, like, weird, modernized Lovecraft kind of thing, you gotta come up with a better name than the Bye Bye Man, or a stronger concept than Stickbug Slenderman, <laughs> uh, like this story has. It's just, like, it's a strong form but it's sort of the opposite of last week's story where last week's story had a strong core concept and then everything around it was kind of crummy this one the skeleton supporting the core concept is pretty good and then the core concept is just like eh, i don't know i don't like i don't buy it and i don't care about it i feel like the concept of a day monster was bad but his concept of basically making a think piece creepypasta and examining all these tropes to get yeah. you to think of a monster was pretty clever. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, yeah. It's, that's all like the form of it, but the, mm. just the monster that it ends up being about, oh, here we do have a date on. This was actually submitted almost exactly five years ago, March 7th, 2013. But until it gets to over the five year mark, it will just say submitted four years ago. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, 2013 was a much different time, uh, on No Sleep and in pop culture. So, yeah, this story definitely is the type of thing that seems early 2010s. Um, oh, yeah, like 2013, that's like the height of Slenderman. That's when, like, he was the scariest, I feel like. That's like the game yeah, had yeah. just come out. Um, uh, I think Marble Hornets was still a going concern at the time. Oh, like, people were just getting into Marble Hornets. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, all my uh, college friends were like, have you watched this YouTube series called Marble Hornets and Slender Man? I know that's when I started picking it up. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, we are now just, at the time of this recording, two months out from the officially licensed Slenderman movie, so maybe we're about to see a resurgence uh, of Slenderman material. Uh, uh, can we talk about that for a second? Did you did y'all see the trailer for the Slenderman movie? Oh god, it looks so bad. <laughs> uh, how about you, Mike? Did you see that trailer? I think I saw it, but I think it was not memorable enough for me to remember <laughs> if I did or not. I thought that the trailer was really good, but I it seems like the type of it's the trailer it's a trailer for a movie that doesn't necessarily have to be good for the trailer to be good cuz the trailer gives little to no indication of what the movie is going to be about at all uh which worries me because like uh boy let's compare to the trailer for the new Jurassic World that trailer is a bad trailer because it tells you what the movie's going to be about, and what the movie's going to be about is a stupid idea. Uh, mm-hmm. it, well, it also gives too much away. I feel like the two big monster reveals happened in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's I it's a good comparison because uh, Jurassic Park is not a horror franchise, but yeah, it is also key. Uh, like monster reveals are a big part of it, and yeah, it shows you it shows you a big T Rex eating another smaller kind of T Rex right in the trailer, and all the dinosaurs running away from a vol- volcano, and it's like, if this is not in the first twenty minutes of the movie, y'all cut a bad trailer. Plot twist: the main villain, uh, plesiosaur. Oh man, that would be They're great. In the water, it's, it's setting uh, up for it. They used um crocodile dna to revive them so it develops very sharp teeth <laughs> and a bloodlust <laughs> oh god uh, yeah but that slenderman trailer it like it just has a bunch of disconnected spooky things and seems to be starring young people who are doing a good job face acting um but we have no indication of whether the dialogue will be good or whether the plot will make sense or whether the movie will show too much slender man so yeah i'm going to go see it cuz i have movie pass and because i've accidentally made myself a, the internet's leading expert on creepypasta so i feel obligated but like i don't know if it's going to be good you're handcuffed to it you have Although, to see it <laughs> Yeah, I have to see it. I mean, I had doubts that the Candle Cove TV show would be good, and I, uh, well, I have a cable service now, but they don't have all of it on demand, but I liked that first episode a bunch, so, and I'm watching the third season of that show, which is based on, uh, the Search and Rescue Woods series, and based on, very loosely, the concept it takes is, um, the main character's last names are Woods, and it uh, they find staircases in the park that you're not supposed to go near or go up. Other than that, it is wholly unrelated to the idea of a park ranger find uh, finding like spooky events happening. So, uh, anyway, what what is this show about? It's oh, it's about it's not just the dark. This creepy pasta we read. Let's get into the spookiest parts. Uh, Mike, do you have a spookiest part of this one? Uh, so for me, the spookiest part is the f- whenever the narrator kind of turns to the, he has like an aside with the audience. So it's like, even at the very beginning when it's like, uh, he starts saying like, no, I want to talk to you. 
you right now, the one who's reading this. And then he goes, that's kind of like just that, I, you know, it's probably like three or four different parts that that happens. But that... Yeah, it's it's an interesting narrative device. But that's but... definitely, for me, the the scariest part. Because every time, I could just imagine him, like, rambling, 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 and then, like, looking up at me and going, like, yeah, you know where I'm going yet? No, you don't. Like, Ferris Bueller Day Off style, but, like, really creepy. Yeah. Yeah, some of my favorite stories are, uh, it's not quite the same, but written in the second person, uh, where the main character is addressed as you, rather than I, or uh, using their name in a third person way. Um, The novel Bright Lights Big City is written in this way, and it's incredible, and it seems like it would be really distracting at first, but it isn't. Uh, I just read the Star Wars short story anthology From a Certain Point of View, which retells the 1977 film Star Wars, uh, basically in a series. It was made for the 40th anniversary, so it's 40 short stories, and each of them is from in order, uh, telling like the story of Star Wars from the perspective of some background character or even an unseen character. Like, there's a story near the end where it's Lando reacting to news clips of the Millennium Falcon blowing up the Death Star, being like, hey, that's my ship, what's happening? Uh, but one of the stories is written in the second person, and the you of the story is a stormtrooper who's having doubts. Uh, so that could be really effective, and this story is in the first person, but because that first-person narrator is talking directly to the audience, it sort of gives you the best of both worlds, where it's not written in the second person, but the narrator is speaking directly to the reader, so that that creates an interesting dynamic, and you get a little bit of, like, um, you're pulled into the story without having to make any decisions, where it's like, well, he said, I feel this way, so for the purposes of this story, I do. It's kind of like a found diary style of like, I hope you yeah. find this letter kind of thing. Yep. Uh, Shane, what about you? What's your spooky oh, part? I 100% agree. Like, whenever he does the aside to the reader, because um, again, when I first listened to this on YouTube, um, I was in a dark room. I was listening to a bunch of other creepypastas, and he just got me right on, like, he got me right on the head with just, you've listened to a bunch of other scary stories. Now listen to this one. And the whole, like, he has this one scene where he's basically saying, like, hey, hey, uncurl yourself from that ball you're sitting in. Stretch out a little bit. Get closer to the screen. Get closer to the light of the screen. And I am literally doing that. Like, I'm in a little ball on my bed. I'm like, (laughs) crap. (laughs) Like, this guy, like, it's so real now. Like, he got, like, just perfectly what I was doing. Just by chance. Which I think made the story. Well, he even says it. He even says at one point, like, you're not in danger and nothing's on its way to your house. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no. Yeah. And it just makes it that much more, I guess, real in a sense. Cause he happened to get it perfectly for me. Yeah. Oh, I, I should say, and I'm not trying to be like, aha, call out. I don't think the gender of the narrator is ever specified, but I definitely also got the vibe of a masculine voice because it's definitely, it's sort of that, like, uh, frantic author style that you see in, uh, I mean, I want to say Hunter S. Thompson, but that's basically an archetype at this point of, like, 
crazed journalist trying to get the truth out to you. Yeah, I only say, uh, and that's that's pretty that's pretty much always a dude in that role. So I'm comfortable uh, gendering the story that way. But I do want to recognize uh, maybe we're wrong because a lot of no sleep stories are written by women. Yeah, I'm only saying he because I listened to uh, I think it was Creeps McPasta's reading of it. <laughs> Oh, they all have such bad names. I mean, I shouldn't talk. My podcast is called Creepy Podsta, but Creeps McPasta, Creeps McPasta, Mr. Creepy Pasta. Uh, oh boy, it's like even No Sleep is kind of a stupid name. Uh, I do like what is it? Uh, Tales for Dark Nights or something. Uh, there's some other identical podcast to No Sleep. Uh, that is, uh, it's got, like, a, a longer name that is more evocative of, like, Tales from the Crypt or Tales from the Dark Side that I kind of enjoy. Oh, there's a new <sighs> horror podcast that just came out, uh, Creepy, the Creepy Pasta Podcast, that I'm sure wishes it has your name, it had your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Creepy is, um, I actually had a friend of mine be like, hey, your podcast was recommended on the uh, No Sleep podcast, so I started listening to it, not realizing it was yours, and then I got to a point where I realized I knew some of the guests, uh, and then I went and did some searching, and it turns out uh, my friend had misunderstood a recommendation for Creepy, and had, I guess, looked up Creepy Podcast on iTunes and uh, <laughs> subscribed to this one instead of that one. And uh, I hope that happens to a lot of people. Welcome. If you're here looking for Creepy, it's not this one, but thank you for listening. Good podcast, though. <laughs> uh, once I have a job again and therefore time to listen to podcasts, paradoxical, I know, <laughs> but sitting at home, I don't listen to podcasts like ever because I'm always doing stuff where I wouldn't be able to pay attention to it. Whereas every job ever is mindless nonsense or you don't need to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, so, like, I, uh, oh, I was working in a factory and I bought a, or a factory, a warehouse, and I bought a hidden earpiece so that I could listen because headphones were against the rules, but that was like 10 hours a day of just podcasts. And then the job I had before was, uh, very mechanical, like, uh, I'm getting hearing aids and replacing them with new ones and I don't have to, like, read anything or understand what's going on, it's just going. Uh, that was, like, eight hours a day of listening to podcasts. Yeah, I had the sad thought anyway, earlier today at, while I was at work, I was like, I can't listen to the whenever these two podcasts come out because I can't listen to the sound of my own voice at work. <laughs> I was Aww. like, oh. It's like, and like <laughs> this is what the podcast I listen to while I'm at work. So yeah. Like, ah. Well, you're here for the live version, so you don't even have to. Yeah, but what will I listen to at work? Mm, that, who knows? That day will go so slow. Uh, I'll, I'll make something for you just to listen to my voice the entire time. Yeah, there you Speak go. Speak over Just all read my him uh, books. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, here's my guests, Mike and Mike. <laughs> You'll just redub all of Shane's audio so that it's just two of you. Uh, they can listen to myself <laughs> um, at work. <laughs> I... Uh, oh, did I say a spooky part? I don't think I said a spookiest part. This story is not particularly spooky, but um, I do like the... The 
moments where it breaks talking about monsters and talks about the person reading it. I also like those a lot. Those were a little eerie. Um, overall, I think the spookiest part was before finishing it when I thought that there was going to be some more interesting twist than there was. I think that's the spookiest part is like, it's a spooky part that goes away as soon as you're finished the story and you realize the twist is exactly what you thought it was, and there's nothing more sinister going on underneath. But, like, during reading the story, I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to get to that reveal. And just because the reveal never comes doesn't mean I want to discount the fact that uh, there was that feeling in the story. So my spookiest part is the feeling I had reading the story thinking it was going to be scarier than it was. <laughs> Um, let's get into plugs. Uh, Mike, where can the people find you to interact with you in the ways that you would like? Editor's note, Mike's Twitter handle is now Overlooked Mike. And that's all. No uh, creative projects to plug? Uh, not yet. Working on some, so... Cool. Uh, well, if, if you have it before the episode, if you have something before the episode goes up, just uh, let me know and I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, Shane, how about you? You can talk to me at AngelicFiend13 on Twitter, or you can look at my art Instagram, Caffeinated Sloths. As always, you can find me, J3FK, on Twitter, JeffJK on Instagram. You can support me on Patreon. I do two little audio things and a written piece each month. You can also pay $10 to get a handwritten letter with, uh, I usually throw a Steam code in there. Uh, maybe, uh, if Humble Bundle gives codes for comics, maybe I'll throw some of those in there, because I have some redundant digital comics codes, I'm sure. Um, join the Facebook group, I plugged it at the top of the episode, but, uh, people are usually sharing spooky stories in there, um, I have a pinned thread with all of the, uh, suggestions on it. People will post, like, hey, I was listening to this other spooky podcast, or hey, I was a guest and I have a creative project I want to plug, that kind of thing. Um, you do have to request to join, but that's just to keep out, like, spammers and bots, uh, that kind of thing. I pretty much approve everyone. I'll just, like, look at your profile and be like, okay, this person's been on Facebook a reasonable amount of time and seems to be a real human being and they're not just trying to give me uh, spam posts about 90% off sunglasses. So they can join. Anyway, I'm getting rambly again. This is the end of the show. I don't think I have anything else to plug. Weaponizedlanguage.com if you want to listen to more episodes of this show or my other podcasts. Um... Oh, and just in case you get the chance, let me know what color it is.